what's the antidote to an animation theater? I guess it's, uh, it's, it's understanding that, that, uh, that we're not supposed to waste each other's time. Please don't waste the, the fintech's time, and the fintech should not either waste the corporate's time. Uh, so I think we, because this is a twofold beast, right? Mm -hmm. It's both on the fintech to come prepared and know how to do uh, what, it's, what it's supposed to do. Uh, and the same goes for the, for the corporate side as well. So it's taking the, 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 the realism of what is that we're going to do and also coming back to the, my point from before, see too many uh, fintechs, I see too many corporates falling in love with uh, technology. I remember one, one corporate asking us, well, can you do something with, uh, with, uh, with augmented reality? I'm like, yes, but, but, but why? Why should we do that? And, and he just looked at me like, that, that was a strange question. Of course, if, if, you, if you can do something with augmented reality, then you're kind of home safe at, 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 at this, this stage, right? But, but I was kind of like saying again, what's the problem that we're going to solve? So it's, it's focusing on, uh, on the problem uh, and, and, and not, on, uh, not on technology. Coming to think of it, I think one of the, uh, one of the things that, that's the antidote here is, we're coming back to the, uh, the, the speed part that you talked about before, is that the, uh, that the FinTech, might have, have to slow a little bit down to work with the corporate, mm -hmm. but the corporate has to speed up to work mm -hmm. with, with the fintech. And, 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 and that's going to be a, that, that is a hard, a hard equation to, to solve for everybody. Sarin, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, it's great meeting you, and thank you for taking time to speak to us. Well, thanks for having me. So let's start talking about Subayo. Tell us what, what's Subayo, what, what's your value proposition, what's the main differentiator uh, that the company has in the market? Yeah, but well, Subayo actually started from the, the head of one of the founders. Uh, so he, he at one time saw this, this strange payment in his, in, in his bank statement. He was kind of like, what, what is this? And then he, uh, he went and looked at it, and then he found that he had been paying for an, uh, an online newspaper for, for nine months that he, did, that he didn't know. Right? He thought he'd bought a, a, a one-time article from a U.S. newspaper, and suddenly he had a subscription on it. So, so that's how it all started. So, uh, so he went in, and, uh, and, and really like, he wanted to give the, the end users a, a way to get an overview and also cancel their different, different subscriptions. So that was actually the start of, uh, of Subayo. But I would say that today, what we do as, as Subayo is to generate uh, new revenue streams for, for financial companies. Mm -hmm. And we do that by exactly what the, uh, the founder uh, at that time uh, found, that the ability to find recurring payments is, is so immensely valuable in different types of use cases. All right, so this uh, ability to find recurring payments is what we call subscription management, is that right? Yeah, so, so recurring payments is, is pretty broad, right? Because recurring payments is also fixed payments. It's, it's the mortgage, it's the insurance, and yes, it's also the, uh, the streaming services and whatever you have, uh, fitness centers and, and stuff like that as well. And these are all the types of recurring payment, uh, payments that Subaya can pick up on and give people the power to, to manage according to their, to their own desires? Yes. So, so Bio really is a company that, that is focusing on recurring payments and generating revenue streams for the financial companies that we are that we're working with. Okay, so what has been some of the, of the main challenges that you've had in bringing a product to market that perhaps people didn't necessarily knew that they needed until they heard the value proposition? 
But it's always interesting to, to go to market with something where there's, there's no need for it yet, where you're kind of also creating a need or you're so much on the edge of technology and what is, what is possible data-wise. And then suddenly, here, here's, here's a new thing that was not there before. So uh, some of the challenges that we've seen in this, this type of, of journey was that we started out as a B2C uh, company. So Tobio was in the beginning a, a B2C company that sold directly to the end users. Uh, but we, we saw that there, were, there was a flaw in, in that, that type of, of setup uh, because we also needed a place where people could then go and look at these, uh, at these recurring payments. And I guess the most natural place to look at your recurring payments it's in, uh, it's in the bank. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's where we then pivoted towards having this white label service and delivering recurring payments within uh, the, different, the different bank apps and, and, and desktop apps that they have. All right, so you mentioned just a second ago that Subayo basically helps banks find additional lines of revenue. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? How is it that banks can, can, can make additional revenue through the white label solution that you have? Yeah, so one of the, the ways that we are generating revenue for, for the different different banks that we're working with, I'm actually live with, with eight, uh, no, now it's nine, nine different banks at the moment, right? But one of the ways that, that Subayo is generating revenue for, for the financial companies that we're working with is through hyper-personalization. So that means that we're in, in the, when we find the recurring payments, we can also find if you have a, a mortgage or if you have an insurance or a consumer loan, with one of the competitors of the of the banks that we're working with, mm -hmm. and, and that means that, for instance, we can see that 15% of uh, of the consumers within a bank have mortgages with a competitor, and by giving that type of knowledge to our bank partner, they're able to deliver another offer uh, to the end users and make them switch to a product from uh, from them instead. Okay, so so this is really interesting. So the value the value proposition itself is empowering. But, uh, banks, banks, customers to manage their subscriptions. But in in the process, with all the data that you capture, you're able to develop a, a, a wider overview of what the customer is actually doing financially with other institutions, and that of course has a lot of value. Yes, exactly. I think the the insight and the engagement and also the personalization we can bring to the table because of these recurring payments is so valuable. And we just kind of right now we've just looked at the tip of the iceberg. So we see constantly on a daily basis we see new types of use cases on recurring payments. So um, I want to understand a little bit um, with all this data. Have you been able to spot any behavioral patterns when it comes to the way in which people use subscription services? Yeah, I guess we've uh, primarily, for instance, during, uh, during Corona, we could see that, that, the, that the patterns of using these different types of, of subscriptions was that people were more local uh, focused during, during the Corona uh, pandemic, uh, which meant that, for instance, when it came to streaming services, we can see that, uh, that, that people were, were canceling uh, uh, international subscriptions uh, to a wider extent and, and uh, hooking up with, uh, with local uh, streaming services instead. So that's just one of the things that we, that we saw in, in that type of, uh, of setting. Okay, and, and then when it comes to, to, um, to the other types of digital business models, that you're you, you said that we're just scraping the, the, the top of the iceberg. What are some of the more interesting examples, aside from the one that you mentioned, that, that you say, okay, well, this is something that we should be looking at as a company in terms of future revenue? Well, one of the ways that we're looking at, at, at future revenue streams for, for ourselves and also for the financial companies that we're working with is actually through uh, assessing a credit worthiness. So, uh, so suddenly, because we have so deep insights into your, your recurring expenses and also your recurring income, we're able to, to see exactly how much money you have left every, every month to spend on X, Y, and C. And, and doing, doing that type of exercise, 
we're actually able to, to show the, uh, the different financial companies that we're working with what your, your credit worthiness uh, is. So that means that by finding the recurring payments on both the expenses and also on the income side, we're able to document exactly how much money you're spending and also getting, and thus also how much you can, uh, you can get uh, in, a, in a credit line. Okay, um, I'd like to, to explore that a little bit more because I think that's a really interesting um, development. So today, credit worthiness basically is you have a credit score which is mostly based on the amount of credit that you have and how much of it do you use. So with the amount of the increased amount of data, like, like the, the data that Swire captures, we're able to get a much more comprehensive view of how individuals manage their finances. Um, and that, of course, helps banks make more precise decisions when it comes to credit worthiness. Um, what does that mean for the consumer? Yeah, for the consumer, it means that if, if you're not uh, credit worthy to take a, a certain loan, then, then, uh, then you shouldn't have it. Uh, and we see too many people actually getting loans and coming back as, as non-performing loans, so not being able to pay your loan back. And by, by building a credit worthiness assessment on the actual transactions, instead of just doing it on statistics, which is what, it, what has been done historically, then, then suddenly we're actually able to, to give the people that have the ability to pay back the loan as well. And thus also bringing down the, the number of non-performing loans for, for the banks and other financial companies. So this is also for, for buy now, pay laters, it's for, it's for leasing companies, it's for consumer finance companies. It's a very, very broad sense. So I would say that Subayu is also going from a company that has been primarily focused on only selling to banks to suddenly widening out and selling to other financial institutions as well. Right, right. Um, now, um, one of the things I'm, I'm very curious about is, uh, as part of the, 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 say, the founding team of a, of a startup, what's, what's the thing that you're most proud of when it comes to the journey that Subayo has had in the market? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think what we're most proud of as a, as a company is the, uh, the amount of people, amount of end users that we've, uh, that we've helped as well. In, in, in getting out of unwanted subscriptions, uh, making them aware of, of different subscription traps that they've, that they've seen as well, and just also seeing what data can be used to use for. So I'm, I'm on a daily basis, I'm surprised on these types of use cases and the data that we have and what it can be used for as well. But I guess also when you have data, you have power. And with power comes responsibility. So I think Subayu has a huge responsibility in using this data for the right purposes as well. Okay, now I, I would like to start getting into, into something that's very close to your heart, I know, which is an innovation. Can you tell us a little bit about what's the innovation process like at Subayu where you started from subscription management and then you've started uh, realizing that there's, there was all these other avenues to create value for the customers. How, how does that work in a, in a fintech? So within a fintech like Subayu, the way that we work with innovation is that we, we listen to the customer. Uh, we listen to the customer, we listen to the market, we see where where is uh, where's the market going? I guess uh, Wayne Gretzky uh, said it pretty well when he said that don't be where the puck is now, no, go where the puck is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're looking at. And when it comes to, for instance, uh, credit worthiness, we can see that the regulation is, is coming in. So regulation is coming saying that you cannot build your credit worthiness score on, on statistics anymore. It has to be on, on, on real data, uh, on the data that you can then take out of the, the transactions. So I guess within Subaya, we've always looked at where is the puck going next? And then we, then we try to skate, uh, to skate there. When we, when we talk to, to founding teams, 
we, we always hear that entrepreneurship is, is, is a journey of failures and lessons learned and failures and lessons learned. What would you say are the, the, the most important lessons that you've learned in your journey at Subayo? The most important lessons that I've learned at Subayo. Wow, that's a, that's a, big, that's a big question. I guess uh, what we really need to understand is, is, uh, the, is technology. It's understanding the limits and also the seductiveness of, of technology. I think one of the things that I've learned is that don't, don't fall in love with technology. Fall in love with, 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 with problems and, and solutions, not in technology. And by that I mean if you, if you fall in love with, with technology, you fall in love in, in a solution before you actually see the problem. And that's some of the things that we've, that we've seen also uh, with, with Subayo and with my prior endeavors, with other fintechs as mm -hmm. well, is that you fall in love with technology and then you start building a solution that's not fit for the market. You have to find that problem and fall in love with the problem and then solve that with whatever means possible. Technology just being one of them. Right, so, so it's basically just a tool uh, as many as there's other tools that could be like behavioral science, for example, and you bring them together to try to solve the problem that you've identified. Exactly, with. exactly, exactly. And I think another, another thing that, I, that I've learned is that, that, uh, that the business case is just so important. So, so driving revenue for the, the, the end user, the, the end customer, is so important in, in choosing your, your, your path as well. Uh, we can all make a lot of uh, beautiful customer journeys, but if the customer journey does not deliver a return on investment, then it doesn't make any sense. And at least when, you, when you're working with corporates, which we do at Subayo, you have to be aware of that they're going to prioritize internally the different types of solution that they're going to they're do. They only have a certain set of money to spend, mm -hmm. and they can't spend them on all the different things. So if you're just making a nice to have, making a better customer journey without actually being able to show that you're driving more revenue to that customer, then they're going to not prioritize your, your, your solution and going to say like, yeah, it's nice. Let's do it next year. Right, right. Okay, so I, th I think you touched on a very interesting point there. So we, we know that innovation and, and, and the whole culture within fintechs differs substantially from, from what you get in incumbents. What has been the main challenge in trying to work with organizations like, like incumbent banks that have a, such, such a radically different culture when it comes to innovation, speed to market, than a fintech? But I think you're touching on, on, the, on the most important point right there uh, when it comes to working with, with uh, or the work between fintechs and corporates. It's speed. Like the, the, the speed uh, is, is so different from a fintech to a, to a corporate. And that's, that's one of the main challenges that you always face. And within that is, of course, culture. So uh, because you're, you're, you're used to, as, as a fintech, that if uh, like you're, you're, always, uh, you're always fundraising, you're always looking for the next thing, you're always uh, a, in, in a let's, let's fail fast kind of mode, mm -hmm. whereas that's not the same mindset that a corporate has. So I think those are like some of the things that, that, that you really have to be aware of. And, and I've seen so many of these, of these different, different things fail when you have these, these collaborations between uh, fintechs and, uh, and, uh, and corporates that, that, uh, that you, you have to be aware of that, that there's, there's, there's a difference between those, those two mindsets, two different beasts that have to, have to work together. All right, and that, I think that brings me nicely to the next question that I have, which is Death by Innovation Theater. So that's the, the title of your book. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what's innovation theater and why, why is that a problem? Well, uh, innovation theater is when you, when you just entertain with new ideas. And unfortunately, there's a lot of that going on. 
so you entertain with a new idea and then you kind of move on to the, to the next idea without actually executing on, on the first one. And I've seen it so many times. I remember one time that, that, I, uh, that I went to Canada with a lot of other fintechs here from the fintech lab mm -hmm. uh, in Copenhagen. And uh, I remember us going uh, to different banks in, uh, in Toronto and, uh, and, and showcasing what it was that we did. And we went to one of these banks, uh, it was around lunchtime. Uh, one of the other fintechs went on stage, presented what it was they were doing. There was this big conference table with around 12 people sitting around. And then during that presentation from the fintech, lunch came in. And, and, and suddenly everybody that was in the audience that was supposed to kind of care about this new idea, about this fintech, they, they just turned and looked at, at, the, at the guy that was bringing lunch. And while they were passing, passing around lunch, one of the other ones was, was, uh, was yelling, don't forget the napkins. So it was, it was kind of like, again, it was entertainment. And the, and the guy that was on stage presenting his idea, well, he, uh, he didn't get anything out of it because he was just there to entertain. And we, uh, we, we packed up uh, the, the five fintechs afterwards. We went down, the, uh, down with the elevator and then we went to the next, uh, the next bank. So I think those are some of the things that I've seen too many times. Okay, and um, you were the founder of uh, Fintech, Ernit. Um, can you tell me if, uh, so what role did, did Innovation Theatre perhaps played in your, um, in your experience with, with Ernit? Yeah, with Earn It, Innovation Theatre was a, a big part of our, our, our DNA. I think uh, it was only when, I, uh, when, I, when, we, when we came to the latter years of the, of the FinTech that I actually saw that we had been such a big part of it. Because I was, I was, I was pretty good at it. Uh, like I, could, I could go on stage, I could, I could present. Uh, we knew how to do a, do a pilot as well. Like we, really, we were good at doing pilots. If, if I was to, to make, a, make money just on doing pilots, I would be a rich man. But, uh, but, uh, but pilots, unfortunately, they, 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 don't, they don't give you the, the end result. And that's why I've, I see, again, too many corporates that, 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 that push the pilot. And we did that as well with Earn It. Like we, we saw the pilot as the end result. We knew exactly how to do the pilot. We knew how to put in milestones to hit the different parts of the pilot to get to the next, to the next, next phase. Mm -hmm. But the issue was always, once the pilot was done, which oftentimes was made with uh, an, an, an innovation department within uh, the bank. When the, when the pilot was done, that was kind of the success criteria. We, we, didn't, we didn't talk about what happened after the pilot. We didn't talk about what, what, what happened if it was a success. We didn't talk about what the price was once it kind of was done with the pilot. So that's what I'm, what I'm also emphasizing uh, in the book and what I'm emphasizing also with, with Subayo. Every time we do a pilot, we only do it if we talk about pricing afterwards going to the market. We only do it if we have clear success criteria and we only do it if there's a mandate from within, I'm going to call it the mothership. Right. We don't work with innovation departments solely. It has to have a, a budget and has to have a connection with, uh, with quote unquote the mothership. Right, right. So that, I guess that's part of the due diligence that you go through when you decide whether you're going to engage in a, in a pilot with a bank. To be yes, able. definitely, definitely. One of the other things that we do is we take references. So we ask the, the, the bank, who have you worked with before? What's your process? Uh, and if they don't have anybody that, that they've worked with before, well, then we say thank you, but no thanks. And we don't want to be the guinea pigs. That's what we did with Earnit. We were the guinea pigs. We taught a lot of corporates how to do innovation. Uh, so today we, we take references on other companies that are working with, uh, with the corporate. Right, okay, and what's the antidote to innovation theater? What's the antidote to an innovation theater? I guess it's, uh, it's, it's understanding that, that, uh, that we're not supposed to waste each other's time. 
please don't waste the, the fintech's time and the fintech should not either waste the corporate's time. Uh, so I think we, because this is a twofold beast, right? Mm -hmm. It's both on the fintech to come prepared and know how to do uh, what, it's, what it's supposed to do. Uh, and the same goes for the, for the corporate side as well. So it's taking the, 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 the realism of what is that we're going to do and also coming back to the, my point from before, see too many uh, fintechs, I see too many corporates falling in love with uh, technology. I remember one, one corporate asking us, well, can you do something with, uh, with, uh, with augmented reality? I'm like, yes, but, but, but why? Why should we do that? And, and he just looked at me like, that, that was a strange question. Of course, if, if, you, if you can do something with augmented reality, then you're kind of home safe at, 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 at this, this stage, right? But, but I was kind of like saying again, what's the problem that we're going to solve? So it's, it's focusing on, uh, on the problem. Uh, and, and, and not on uh, not on technology. On the bells and whistles. No, 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 cool no. Stuff, right? But but I think like uh, also coming to think of it, I think one of the uh, one of the things that that's the antidote here is uh, we're coming back to the, uh, the the speed part that you talked about before, is that the uh, that the fintech might have have to slow a little bit down to work with the corporate, mm -hmm. but the corporate has to speed up to work mm -hmm. with with the fintech. And, 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 and that's going to be a, that, that is a hard, uh, a hard equation to, to solve for everybody. So it's, it's this realization that it will take some adjustment for both parties in order to be able to come together and work on something as a, as a unit. Yes, yes, definitely. Like mm -hmm. uh, if you as a fintech come with this fantastic customer journey that doesn't take into account that you're not uh, allowed to maybe share data or maybe not even own the data, uh, you're working with uh, with uh, sensitive data here. Uh, mm -hmm. Then, then what's the purpose of it? And if you're as a fintech, think that you cannot and you don't need to have this 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 license to uh, to operate, then 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 maybe you shouldn't do that either. Because there is going to be red tape when it comes to working with the corporate. So, uh, so I think that's that's the uh, that's the the push back and forth that needs to be there. And then from the corporate side, the corporate also has to understand that. The fintech is, is, is not necessarily uh, having a salary tomorrow. Everybody mm. that's working within the corporate, they have a salary tomorrow. It doesn't matter what, what, what happens. But the fintech, time is of the essence. So time is the most important resource yeah. that you have. All right, and, and in your opinion, having worked with, with large organizations and incumbents, especially with public, uh, publicly traded organizations, I mean, these, these companies, most their priority is basically keeping the vessel afloat and keeping the vessel moving. Do you think that they can they can really achieve true innovation uh, you know, back at the mothership, as, as you call it? <laughs> well, I do. I, I believe that that that, uh, that true innovation and, and 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 magic happens once fintechs and and corporates are working together. I really do. Uh, but it but it, it it means that both parties have to adjust. Uh, to the other and not come in with only their own uh, way of, of seeing uh, seeing the world so it's when the it's when the challenger meets the uh, the uh, the established player that's when magic happens so yes I definitely believe that there's there's room for for doing innovation in in, in that way okay and so presumably from your experience and also from the success that uh, Sobaya has had you've had the opportunity to work with some incumbents that have that, that get it right and what aside from speed and from these uh, ability to, to meet the fintech in the middle. What other factors have you seen contribute to, the fi to, to having a successful collaboration with an incumbent? But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really sh showing what is going to be the, the success of, of this collaboration. It's, it's, it's talking about what is going to be the success 
nailing it down, and then saying, okay, this is what we're, that, what we're aiming at. Like, if you, if you go into a collaboration, you're not sure on what it is you're going to do, you're not sure of what the success criteria is going to be, then it is going to be innovation theater. Because then you're just going to kind of show that you can collaborate, but to, to what, what, is, what is that going to, to do for you, right? But, uh, but definitely, we, we've seen with some of our corporate partners, like ABN AMRO, like with, uh, with, with Nodea, huge banks out of, out of Europe, that, that we can work, work together. We can work together if we are standing and saying, this is going to be the goal, this is going to be the process, this is going to be the timeline, and that we have a mandate. We have a mandate from somebody that's outside of, of, the, of the innovation department as well. That there is somebody that's going to say, yes, I am going to put my money's worth on, on this, and there's a budget for it. And this goes all the way up from management. Management has to also say that we want innovation. We want innovation in, in, the, uh, in the sense of that it's also going to, going to, going to, going to fail sometimes. Because if we're just going to do successes, excuse me, it's not going to be innovation. Because innovation also is, is, is dirty, it's chaotic. Uh, so from that perspective, I think that, that everybody needs to be, uh, be agreeing on, and that's going to be the path. Okay, and then just 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 to close, um, you mentioned that uh, a, a big thing at Subayo is, is at the moment uh, credit worthiness. So, what do you anticipate will be the main challenges that Subayo will face within the next, let's say, three to five years? So, the main challenges that I see for for uh, Subayo in the next uh, three to five years is going to be competitors, because uh, suddenly we are we we've been in this space for for now uh, five, six years. Uh, we've been fairly alone, uh, focusing on recurring payments, mm -hmm. and we just see a lot of uh, competitors already now looking at this, saying, "Hey, this is actually pretty interesting." Right. So I see competitors coming in and 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 doing uh, doing things as well. But again, I see competitors both as potential partners and also as competitors, right? So I see a lot of a lot of, lot of partnership opportunities as well, working with uh, with both different fintechs, different corporates, when it comes to focusing on recurring payments and all these different use cases. But I think basically it's also that there are so many use cases. So I, the biggest enemy for Subayo is going to be focus. Focus, right? It's going to be: Are we able to focus and double down on this? Is going to be our path. Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest uh, biggest challenge for Subayo. Right. Well, that's fa fascinating to hear that, and uh, of course we'll be keeping a very close eye to, on, on Subayo here at Nordic Fintech Magazine. And uh, Soren, thank you so much for spending time with us and for all your insights. It's been great talking to you. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.